Welcome to Inside Legion, the podcast that takes place inside David Holler's mind. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Chapter 16 of Legion, the latest episode. Episode 8, The Path Forward is Revealed. (laughs) As we all agreed, last week was one of the weaker episodes of the show. No, we did not agree No, I think we all agreed on it. But luckily, it's back on track with this episode, which was, as usual, mind-tripping and phenomenal and so weird and romantic and awesome and all of those nice things. Yeah. Yeah, so should we do a little bit of a recap before we get into it, Pete? Oh, that's my least favorite part. <laughs> so previously on the Legion, Amal Farouk, the Shadow King, has been searching for his body throughout the world. At varying times, David Holler, uh, our titular Legion, has been helping him or not. At the current time, he's kind of against him. Uh, they want to, he wants to find Amal's body before the Shadow King does uh, in order to stop him from using that body to take over the world because if his mind and his body are joined, they become all powerful. Currently, his mind is inside Oliver Bird, who is married to Melanie Bird, who is back at Division 3, the Joint Human Mutant Task Force. Also back there is Sid, who is David's girlfriend. They've been running into a little bit of trouble lately. As we uh, found well, out a couple of episodes back, she wants more fire in the relationship. She feels like they've kind of hit a rut as boyfriend and girlfriend. He still wants to be with her, but he also wants to stop Amal Farouk. And complicating matters for him even more, Amal Farouk recently killed his sister and hollowed out her body and turned it into a shell for Lenny, who is David's old drug buddy. She's also been wrestling with that because she feels a little bad about it. Uh, And one other big thing that happened the last episode Everybody turned against Admiral Fukuyama, who wears a basket on his head. He's the uh, head of Division Three, uh, And in the process, Tanami, whose power is to go inside memories, kind of died, sort of not died. Uh, at the last second, the Vermilion, who are th- mustache ladies who help out Admiral Fukuyama, dragged Tanami and plugged him into a giant tree computer, which is part of Admiral Fukuyama's mama's mind. And we left off with Tanami. Me looking at an old lady sitting in the corner of Admiral Fukuyama's mind going, shh. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much yeah, it. It's pretty yeah. good. Uh, old ladies want you to be quiet. Yeah. Especially uh, when you're plugged into a tree. Yeah, I mean, the last time I was plugged into a tree, old lady was like, shh. Yeah. So you know what it is. Oh, you know what it is. <laughs> uh, oh, the other thing that we should probably mention about the body is that we know there is an order called the Migo Monks that hid his body after Professor X battled Amal Farouk and banished his mind from his body. Uh, The Migo monk was the only person who knew the location. The Migo monk invaded Division 3, plugged himself into Admiral Fukuyama, and then killed himself, being like, I'm never going to tell you where it is. So... That's where we leave off. Uh, you want to? What do you want to talk about with this episode? Where do you well, want to start? I would Pete? like to first talk with the quote that it opened up with. Sure. Uh, uh, to create fear, hold up a mirror, and it's a monk adage. Uh, pretty cool way to start an episode. So here's what I think is actually super interesting about that: is that quote is made up. 
it's a fake quote that they made for the Mego monks, but there's actually otherwise a lot of readings in the episode that are real. There's a point when Oliver Bird is driving Amal Farouk and he says he recites part of America, the poem by Allen Ginsberg. Okay. Uh, and that's like completely real. That's completely not the text of Legion. And there's also a point when we're getting through, we'll probably talk about the origin of Admiral Fukuyama in a bit, uh, where that nurse reads to Admiral Fukuyama and she's reading from the Phantom Toll Booth. So we have real text in here and we have fake text in here. I'm not quite sure what it says, but it's interesting. And we also have uh, John Hamm voiceover who is also enlightening us. Yes, I definitely want to talk about that later because, and yeah. please don't yell at me, Pete. That was my least favorite John Ham section so far. Wow. I will try not to yell at you, but I can't make promises. Thanks. Do we want to start there? I know it's in the middle, but we could talk about it right now. Uh, I feel like we should start from the beginning of the episode. Oh, you don't want to be angry right off? Yeah. I mean, do, you really <laughs> want to, do you want to start right there? I, do I want to poke the bear? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if that's good for you. All right. Fair enough. I've been having a rough day. Let's start it out. Happy place. Good, good. So yeah, we start off, uh, you know, kind of where we left off a little bit. What I'm excited about is it's kind of a little bit of a, a Ptolemy or not Ptolemy, but autonomy. Yeah, uh, uh, episode. Like you know, he's one of the. Well, we get a lot of them in the beginning. Sure, in the first 10 yeah. or 15 minutes. Which so. I was like, yes, finally some screen time for this guy. One of my favorite characters, one of our favorite characters, and it's nice to see him get a little bit more uh, time with him. Yeah, I'm mostly glad that they're not completely forgetting about him. It felt like, and this is something we talked about on the last podcast, I was worried that they were just going to kind of shove him off and mm-hmm. forget about him. Be like, well, Especially he's after they plug him into a tree. <laughs> he's in a tree now. <laughs> yeah, Goodbye. Yeah. But he's not. Uh, I'm still a little awfully on it because his function in this episode was to convey information. Like, literally, we see ones and zeros. He's learning. He's part yeah. of it computer now, Uh, but we do get a lot of information through it. Uh, We see through the screen that's inside Admiral Fukuyama's basket, Mm -hmm. uh, we get a flashback of his origin. Uh, We see an old friend. uh, I'm forgetting the name of the character, but it's the guy who is Clark's boss back from the beginning of the first season. Uh, In case you forgot what happened to him, he was the guy that initially was investigating David. He was initially uh, propelling that forward. Uh, And then when David came to rescue his sister Amy from uh, from Division 3, he ended up... Th- or was it the Shadow King? No, it was actually... It was the Shadow King. Uh, this guy ended up half in the floor and half outside the floor and died. So we haven't seen him between the, since then, but this takes place earlier in the timeline where he's recruiting Admiral Fukuyama to become his their safe source of information. Yeah, which is kind of creepy. Yeah. The way they set that up and then like, hey, you're going to be our safe house. Oh, by the way, we're going to put you under and then cut open your brain. Ha <laughs> ha. Thanks. Yeah. That explains a lot, though. It explains a lot that's going on with the wires uh, mm-hmm. that certainly we've talked about the Lovecraft origins of the Mego monks and everything like that, where they take your brain and they place it in an external computer. That seems to be what's going on here. Uh, And it's also a very X-Men thing because 
it's humans saying we need a way to safeguard and protect our information from these mutants that can read our mind. And that's how they create Admiral Fukuyama. Which is, you know, it's kind of a crazy thing because they set up this whole thing of like, it's almost like a fourth wall break where we see other people watching what we're watching. Yeah. You know, and I was like, whoa, this is kind of a... Well, yeah, I mean, it's also commenting on the fact that they're like, we need a source of information that can't be spied on, and then we cut to Tatami watching this happening. Right. So, yes, it's definitely a better commentary there. But I do think Admiral Fukuyama is showing this stuff to him. Is that what you took away from it? Yeah, I think so. That's... I, I was... This show is so much kind of a ride where it's like... I. Either I have to pause it and think about it for a little bit, or afterwards I try to put it all together. But it's, I just, I love this damn show. Yeah. So what I kind of got from it is Tanami is in the brain with Admiral Fukuyama. Also, the nurse is in there in the brain. And there's another character we discover is in there who is the Miko monk. Yeah, not dead, just kind of trapped in a brain. Uh, so here's here's my theory about that. I think it's a copy of the Miko monk. Like, I think the Miko monk still killed himself, but the way that Tanami describes it, so Tanami manages to figure out how to project his consciousness briefly into one of the Vermilions so he right. can talk to David. Mustache and, lady. Yeah, mustache lady. And the way that he explains it is when the Miko monk attached the wires to Admiral Fukuyama so he could project his consciousness through Admiral Fukuyama, a little bit of it went back. So I think, if anything, that's like a copy of the Migo Monk. Oh, it's man. a backup of him. I, it was, the show is so insane. I mean, it's really hard to tell what's true, what's really happening. It, it's, yeah, it's a lot. But I'll, I'll, okay. Well, you know how computers work, right? I do. Okay, yeah. so think about it as like you're backing up the information from Sure, yeah. Yeah, you, know, you email stuff to yourself, right? <laughs> so they emailed the Miko bug to himself. Okay. Does that help? Sure. That's my theory anyway. All right. Cool. Uh, but uh the big thing about it is Tanami is able to tell David where the body is, and that's Le Desole, which is French for sorry. Oh, oh. Uh, which is probably another name for uh, what we uh, heard referred to in earlier episodes as what was it? The valley that used to be a forest. Was mm-hmm. that the name of it? I think. Yeah. Uh, so we find out it's there and then David makes a decision. He is wrestling it with for it a little bit. He figures out what Le Soleil is, but he realizes anybody could be compromised. And as soon as he tells one of them, Amal is going to know. Right. He's going to find out, except at the same time, we kind of find out that Amal already does know because he's running his own game, right? Uh, Also, there was like a really nice moment early on uh, between the two kind of uh, romantic uh, moment where she was like, uh, she was talking to David and he was saying that he's fighting with the future version of her. And she was like, Oh, I should probably be mad at you. Then he's like, no, no. I thought that was kind of a sweet little, Well, what do you think? So uh, that happened the last episode where future Sid, there's been kind of this love triangle going on between Sid, future Sid and David. (laughs) It almost seems to be this episode that David is more bothered by it than present Sid is. Is that what you took away from it? Yeah, in this episode, I feel like she was struggling a little bit more in prior episodes where this, it was, 
uh, she seemed kind of joking about it, and David was more kind of like, oh, kind of freaked out by it. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting to track, because I think Future Sid clearly was mad enough to team up with the Shadow King. As we find out, she told the Shadow King where to find the person who knows where his body is, and that's how he ends up talking to this woman later on in the episode. Uh, but I think... David is more uncomfortable about it. He feels like he did something wrong by kind of flirting with future Sid. Yeah. And that's what causes him to break off and not consult with Sid, which only makes the rift between them, I think, yeah. bigger. Yeah. And she kind of has a moment about that later. She which, does. Which, Girl talk. Uh, was Girl talk with Clark. Well, not that part. I was thinking of another part, uh, but... Wait, which part? The part where she has the most amazing entrance to a scene of all time. Yes, yes, yes. And then starts hitting him. It's like, if future me tells you to do something, you do it. And yeah. I thought that was such a cool... If somebody asks you if you're a god, say yes, right? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. I'm not sure right. if that's applicable in this situation. Eh, pretty much always is. <laughs> uh, so getting back a little bit, so David decides... I'm going to tell everybody and send them on their own paths. And we get a little bit of playing with the timeline here. We see where everybody ends up, and then we zoom back and see how at least some of them get to that point. I love this kind of setup. Oh, so good. David, like, having his own battlefield where he was placing his kind of soldiers and stuff. That was so cool. Right. It also, the thing about it... it and I don't know if we realize it exactly at that point, but the thing that makes it kind of sad is they've already lost. Farouk already knows where his body is. He's yeah. already far ahead of them. Way far ahead. He's and like two days. there's no way they're going to catch him. And they're hauling, and they're slowly walking. Yeah. So, but, but yes, but I love Farouk the sequence. talks about there's a secret. So if he can figure out, if he can figure out the secret to the kind of cheat to get there faster, he could be all right. Right. Uh, so, uh, well, uh, I don't think we need to talk about the specific things that everybody goes through other than they get their cool action movie moments as they're getting closer and closer to Farouk's body. Uh, Lenny is on one team. The Carries are on another team. Carrie and Carrie. Yep. Carrie and Carrie. Do you think, was Carrie leading them or was Carrie leading them? I You keep doing this fun bit for you. <laughs> You're saying the same name twice. No, so. no, no. One of them is Carrie and the other one is Carrie. Yep. Can you hear the difference? I can. Yeah. Carrie and Carrie. Right. They're different. Yep. Two different characters. Great. Cool. So they're on one team, uh, and there is one character left out that we'll come back to a little bit later. That is Melanie Bird, which is a bad move on David's part. So heartbreaking. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, But so David decides to head off on his own. He leaves a note for Sid. Yep. Uh, But first... Before he leaves, he talks to Lenny, and I love this scene. So he stops in. She's been wrestling. She's fact, just snapping. Yeah, Look. she's just going back and forth between her Amy personality and her Lenny personality. She doesn't know what to settle on. And the thing that I love about this is he relates to her now as both of them. That yeah. He has moments where he's talking to her as Lenny, and then there's that moment where he kisses her on the forehead, which feels like he's talking to his sister. Yeah. He says, I won't let any harm come to you. The only thing is, though, he's lying to her, right? Well, I don't know. I think he's he doesn't want harm to come to her, but at the same time, I think he will sacrifice 
her for... So I think he's lying. I mean, that's what I'm getting towards is that... Yeah, but he doesn't want to tell her that. He needs her on his side. Here's the thing about lies is you don't (laughs) want to tell people the truth, so you don't, and that's what lying is. Well, I wish you would stop lying to me. I have never lied to you. That is not true. Um, Pete, should I kiss you on the forehead? (laughs) (laughs) I also really love the beginning of this scene where David walks in and she kind of is very still and then kind of does like a, ah, you know, move. And he kind of, uh, he jumps because she, she doesn't know who's on her side or what's real or what's going on. And and like, I thought that was a really cool moment. Well, at this point though, I think she's right to, right? I mean, this is kind of what oh, we're bouncing yeah. around and what we've been talking to about a lot this season. If is, you found out that your sister was murdered and then you were using her body, you know what I mean? Like, you would think that that person might not... Well, I don't mean from Lenny's end. I mean from the viewer's end that David is now almost turning into a Malfaruk. He's using people as pawns. He's using them as game pieces, moving them around the board. He's not being truthful or giving all the information to people, even Sid. Uh, that's not hero behavior. No, no. It's kind of a leader type thing. Things you tell yourself like, all right, I have to do this if yep. I got to, you know, lead or if I want to win. 100%. So he does head off his own uh, and we do get this fun moment. Yes. I Pete. just want to ask you a question before we get too yeah, far yeah, yeah. past it. Uh, is it just me or is it every time you see that little eatery place with the floating boats? I get excited. Because I'm like, I love this room. I do love that room, too. One thing that's really frustrating is I want to see what the food is, and I can't quite tell. <laughs> like, what are they serving, you know? Yeah. yeah. I uh, mean, we knew when it was waffles, but I feel like otherwise it's not clear what kind of restaurant it is. That's bumming me out. It's, uh, yeah, it's a magical room, and I'm glad that we get to see it every once in a while. Yeah. I, so I was looking a little bit at the condiments that were next to David because I was trying to figure out what kind of food they serve, and it looked like there was some soy sauce and maybe some honey and other stuff, so I don't know. I'm lost. So it could be chicken fingers. It could be sushi. It could be anything. It could be all of the above, you know? Yeah. Whatever it is, I want to go there. I really want to eat there oh, sometimes. Man, that sounds so good. Yeah. So uh, getting back to the plot of the show, just for a moment. <laughs> okay. Uh, so David wanders off on his own. He goes to the desert. He's wandering around. Uh, while he's doing that, Amal is describing things about the desert that it's not what it seems. Specifically, it's all been designed to fool Abal Farouk, including there's people that change the locations of the desert and the landscape by sewing it back and forth. That was super cool. That was a great visual. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I also love the part when David first got there and he's holding his thumb up. Yeah, and then he, he puts his thumb down. And there's a giant thumb there. It's just really funny. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Uh, so at the same time, Sid and Clark are having girl talk. This was to be of all the weird stuff. You're talking about Two Face, right? His name's Clark. Call him what you want to call him. I mean, the character's name is Clark. Sure. Carrie. (laughs) So uh, this was the most unexpected scene to me. I did not see this pairing coming. There seemed to be the implication that they always get together and hang out and sort of chat and gossip and everything. How do you feel about this? It was was really intense because I was like, wait. For a while when it was like, it's just us girls, I was like, wait, is... Uh, what's her name's body? And like, I was very confused. And it took oh, a little I while. see. Yeah. Uh, but then when they widened out and then showed her around the corner, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. If anything, what I thought, what I was taking away from the scene was I was watching it thinking, oh, okay. Every other time I've seen Clark, he's interrogating people. Mm-hmm. This is, and it took me a while 
to get comfortable with the idea of maybe he actually is not interrogating Sid. Maybe they actually are friends and they're talking about things. Do you think they are? I don't think they are, no. No? You think he was still working all the angles? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Because he's Two-Face. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, jeez. All right. What Uh, did you think? What did I think? I think they're honestly friends. Really? Yeah, I think they do this all the time. They get drinks. They chat about what's going it on in Division 3. It didn't seem like a... There was a lot of tension in the in the air. There's a lot of tension because I think they're worried about things, but I do think... I feel like the way that Hamish Linklater, who plays Kark, was playing it, was he was not as razor-focused as he usually is. Right. He was he softer, seemed, for sure. Exactly. But that could be part of his plan. Oh, man, you can't trust anybody you on this shit. You cannot. Jeez. Oh, so, yeah, Melanie is around the corner. We don't know exactly what's going on with her. Again, we'll get back to that in a moment. Oh, so uh, but let's take a little break for John Hamm, a.k.a. Pete gets angry at me time. Yeah, the John Hamm break. So... You don't, you don't like, we've talked about a lot of different metaphors John Hamm has talked about. A lot of different. Both in bigger, life and on the show. Right. And also like a lot of bigger ideas. It's no, about I mean, philosophy. when we talk to John Hamm, like we get together with him once a week and he just talks to us about metaphors. It's yeah. pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. It's we should record we that. We, uh, why don't we record that? That should be of on the podcast. all the things we record. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Um. John Hamm, if you're listening, we'd love to get you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm John Hamm, and I listen to your Legion podcast. That's a terrible John Hamm yeah, impersonation. Yeah, that was really bad. I uh, love Batman. Oh, stop. Hey, it's me, John Hamm. <laughs> you are horrible. Uh, why did you hate Wait, this? Wait, can I mention something about John oh, Hamm? Oh, my this God. To me. So we were talking about the last episode where they revealed the whole thing. And you guys just decided no more John Hamm voiceovers. You just said there can't be any more. Yeah, we thought it was done. We yeah. were wrong about that. Yeah. Why uh, would they take away no, something that's great? No, but here's the thing that I was so pissed off about uh, when I thought about it later. We were all talking about, like, uh, we said something like eggs and uh, eggs and farmers or something. We were talking about that nonstop. At no point during our podcast episode did we say ham and eggs. <laughs> really bothered that you. That was huh? like Saturday night, 3 o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh, ham and eggs. <laughs> Why did I say oh, ham and God eggs? damn it. We had John Ham in the episode. It was all about eggs. God damn it. Yeah. Anyway, got it out this time. Yeah. So nice save. We, <laughs> we get one last John Hamm sequence, just like a last goodbye. You don't know that. I know. He's going to be back for every episode now. Uh, but he's talking about uh, shadows on the wall, illusions, how we think we're the center of the universe, right. how we're all narcissists or our way. Ties it from cavemen to social media now. Uh, and what would it be like if we went outside and we yeah. actually looked at other people? All right. Uh, maybe this is my personal thing because I do look at my phone a lot and I enjoy you looking do. at my phone. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm actually browsing my phone right now and not even looking at Pete for those of you listening at home. Yeah. Yeah. You came to my apartment for the first time and you talked to me about all the Pokemon eggs that you got. Well, but that's real life. Yeah, no, that's you on your phone by my house. You Here's the actually thing. I walk, look at my surroundings. Dude, you were Pokemon looking. Yeah. But dude, I walk around. Where do you think those Pokemon are real? I'm nope. just capturing them. I can finally see them through my phone. Oh, you need your phone to see? Yeah. Wow. Oh, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure John Hamm said you're the problem. I am definitely the problem. Yep. But here's uh, my issue with this. So you're going to be defensive about it now? 
Uh, yes. Okay. I am. Just bear with me okay. for a second. Yeah, yeah, uh, great. Well, this is, I feel like this was... Go go up against John Hamm. See how <laughs> that goes for you. <laughs> I don't want to make him a bad man. <laughs> oh, uh, stop it. I just felt like this was low-hanging fruit. Like, the other meta, the other stories that we've gotten, even if I've kind of heard bits of them before, I felt like this, this is really interesting. you too close to home. Not that it was low-hanging fruit. Fuck you! <laughs> fuck you, Pete! You're supposed to be getting mad now, not me! I don't stay on my phone too much. You do! You don't! You're a shadow person! You don't exist! You don't put face! <laughs> Uh, no, I, but I, I, I don't watch my wall when I get home. <laughs> I don't stare at shadows. Uh, seriously, though, I did feel like this sort of thing, like we've, the uh, what we've talked about with moral panic and with the Hindu milk miracle, and sure. even the story about the butterfly in the first episode. Yeah. I've heard bits and pieces of these things before, but the way they were portrayed and the way they were talked about, I thought was really fascinating. This one boiled down to like, what if you stop looking at your phone? Whoa. What then? And, and to me, I don't know. This is something that I feel like is overdone. There was that fake at uh, real Bagsy account on Twitter that tweeted that like two years ago. And I was like, yeah, what if you stopped looking at your phone? What about that? And you're like, dude, you're tweeting this on Twitter. You f- stupid idiots. <laughs> it, it wasn't bad. I liked how it's done. It just felt a little easy to me. It felt like it was kind of scratching the surface. Oh, it was easy the way it went through time and showed how, like... To me, I felt like it was just scratching the surface of what people say about this versus saying something deeper and pointing out something more relevant about human behavior where the rest There's of the There's nothing world. more relevant now. We don't have real interactions. It's all online. That's Spe- very relevant to what we're saying. Speaking of which, this is a great time to remind you guys to subscribe <laughs> to our podcast, rate, and uh, leave a comment on iTunes. Thanks so much. Hope you're enjoying listening to this, however you do it, on Android devices. Or if or- it's projected against your wall, your, your <laughs> nice cave wall that you have. Yeah, 100%. So you like the sequence, though? I, yeah, it wasn't as artistic or as deep, but I thought it was just as powerful as the other stuff, if not more. Because it is. Yes, I'm watching it. I was watching it on a laptop at the time. But, I mean, it's, it's saying something. It's saying that, like, not having human contact, real human contact, can be an issue. And we create problems for ourselves that aren't as real as they should be. So, here, I'll throw something out to you. Because I do actually think about this a lot, uh, about our narcissism and about the fact that we are so focused on ourselves that we try to feel empathy for other people, but ultimately we're often held back by the fact that we can't hear other people's thoughts. Mm -hmm. That's something that I feel like on a show like this, there is that ability to show more and talk about more because literally in this episode, you have other people hearing other people's thoughts. You have people connecting to each other with riot wires, seeing each other's memories, getting that empathy, untrying and desperately trying to connect with other people, which is a lot of what the show is about in general Mm -hmm. um, versus Amal Farouk, who is so focused on his own body and David. Plus a main character who she talks about in this episode, how she can't touch people. She can't really connect. Yeah. She, yeah. 
100%. And David even only consults with, literally consults with himself at a certain point to this episode yeah. and is using everybody else, not connecting with everybody else. And then in the second half, we get a little bit of Sid and David connecting again. Um, so I understand what its place in the episode was, but it felt like when it came to humans that the rest of the episode was doing the work versus the sequence where I felt like before it was the sequence. Exactly. That in a lot of the other episodes, the sequences in themselves have been saying these incredibly profound things where I watch them and I get chills all over my body when they get to the end of that sequence here. I felt like it without repeating myself too much, but it felt like the first half of the episode or the second half of the episode where we're, picking up the slack for the John Hagg sequence. That's all. No, well, I, I just think that, like, it's something you've heard before, so you were like, uh, it's not as powerful. Where all I right. think it, it is as powerful, but we're also in it, so it's hard to be like, oh, this is as profound as the other stuff. Well, as I really only care about what I think, yeah. uh, I think I'm right and you're wrong. Okay. It's just funny how, like, during your explanation, it seemed like you were proving my point and disproving yours, but it's cool. Sorry. I wasn't listening to what you were saying because I was checking Facebook at the time and totally owning some trolls. Oh, great. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you're you so really much. living your life. <laughs> I really have to. All right. Let's, we spent a, Do um, you know where your kids are? Uh, I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> All right. So can we get to her greatest, the greatest sure. entrance? So David is in the middle of the desert and Sid comes in on a plane, lands from a parachute, comes up and starts wailing on David. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't just like, a, it was like a jet fighter went by and then we're like, oh, weird. And then we see a parachute and then Sid just drops down, takes off the parachute and just... Oh, it was so amazing. It was just the greatest entrance in television history. Yeah. And uh, in case you forgot it a couple of episodes back, there was a big thing in the premiere, actually, where Melanie Bird, uh, was, who is bereft because Oliver has been taken by the Shadow King, was talking to Sid about the fact that the men always leave. They yeah. always leave. They go on this heroic missions and they leave them behind. And Sid's whole thing has been like, yo, David... We're in this together. Yeah. I, if anything, maybe I'm even stronger than you. Yeah. And I could take care of myself. Yeah. And that's what she has to come back and keep telling him. But in a weird way, that's almost proving Melanie's point that she constantly needs to chase after him. Also, it's not because she was like, they always leave. But I also really love this about Sid where she goes, fuck this. I'm not going to just sit here and see how it turns out. I'm going to fight with him. Yes. If he's not smart enough to realize I should be there from the beginning, I will beat him when I see him. Yeah, and because of that, I mean, once they are together, they end up getting caught in this loop in the middle of the desert in a tent where they discover their own dead bodies, which... Not a good sign. Not a good sign. I like the fact that they figure that out immediately, that they're like, oh, skeletons, that's our skeletons. Okay, let's figure out how to get out of this loop. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I was kind of yelling at the TV, like, you guys, you're losing so much time with the camp out. And all. Like, these guys are, they've been, you know, they've gone from a car to a rickshaw, mm-hmm. and they are going at a good clip. And it's just like, if they don't figure out how to get the cheat well, to get ahead. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing about it is that Amal knows where it is, but it doesn't seem like this desert goes in any linear way or any time linear time way so they could be far behind but still get there before him and in fact 
as we find out at the end of the episode, there's still a ways to go even when they get to the Temple of the Migo Bugs. Um, but let's talk about what happens at the end of the episode. Well, uh, I, I would like to talk a little bit about their relationship. Because sure, go for it. What I like about this relationship is it's not a normal TV relationship. It's it, uh, it's really, there are a lot of times where you're, you're not sure how it's going to pan out. And I really like uh, Sid in particular, the way she kind of fights for them and also like how David cares and she even recognizes the fact that he is a good human being, you know, and good human beings can make mistakes. They can think they're doing the right thing, but they're not, you know, and this thing of like, I want to keep Sid safe, but by pushing her away, that is the wrong thing. So it's like, I, I really appreciate the fact where he was like, I just can't wait for us to go home. And then she was like, what the fuck is home, David? You know, like this is home, you asshole. Yeah. There is no place there is no home for us. We're the home. And I was like, that's such a powerful, cool thing. Right. The other thing that comes up is that Sid cautions him and tells him when it comes time, do the right thing. Yeah. Don't do the easy thing. Very specifically saying, don't kill Amal Farouk. Don't yeah. bash his brains in like we know is kind of fated for him to do, but be the hero. And, as he's been going on this path to becoming the villain of the piece, Sid is the one who is keeping him even and holding him back. I wonder, are we going to be able to stop him when we get to that point? I mean, there's still a lot of things like future Sid only has one arm. That had to happen at some point. Also, like future Sid talked about like how special this time was for them. And it's like, well, do they not last past this part? You know what I mean? Like, Future Sid was so happy to see where they were. So I feel like maybe something else is, I mean, other than the arm, like something else is also. Well, yeah, we're definitely heading to a point where something bad is going to happen. And complicating things is that back at HQ, we see Melanie Bird come out of the hallway bash Clark on the head oh. and then we were first time and, and like David specifically gave two face a mission and she stopped him because I mean, when you hear, you know, she thinks she's listening to her, was it husband? Oliver Bird. Yeah. Yeah. Her husband talking to her. So of course she's going to listen. Uh, but it's the not really Oliver. So yeah, I mean it's the reverse. It's the mirror image yeah. of what's going on with Sid and David, where Sid is trying to steer David on the path of right, and what Oliver is doing is steering Melanie on the path of wrong. That she is so dependent on him that she will do anything he says. Where yeah. Sid specifically does not listen to David at all, and thereby pushes both of them to be better than they are. Uh, but as we find out at the end of the episode, Melanie has been taken by the Shadow King, which is pretty bad. That means whatever David's plan is, is not totally going to work. And then we get one last tease. We zoom down the maze to where Amal's body is. He's saying, my body, my sweet, my precious, come back to me, come back to me. And then we get one shot of the Minotaur that Melanie had previously seen in her drug-addled haze coming out of that maze. That's that's a pretty terrifying thing to end the episode on. Right. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Are you saying that the Minotaur is his body? 
No. Okay. No, no, no. So here's what I think is happening. So okay. we've seen the Minotaur a couple of times. We have. We've seen the Minotaur in uh, Melody's drug adult haze, and we also saw it again when uh, everybody was infected with the catalyst and David had to go into people's minds, uh, and we kind of played through that uh, text adventure that was happening in Melody's head. Right. There's the Minotaur there as well. I think, first of all, Whatever's going on with Melanie and Amal has been going on for a really long time. I think they've been infecting her for a really long time and taking over her body, uh, her brain for a really long that's time. That's probably why she was doing all these heavy drugs. Yeah. But I think that Minotaur is actually in the maze. Like, I think underneath the Temple of the Migo Monks, there's a maze and there's a Minotaur guarding that maze. And that's what they're going to have to get past to get to the body. Now, I want to throw one other thing out at you before we wrap up this episode. This is something I've been thinking about for a little while. Do you think the body underneath the temple, do you think the body that they're looking for is a ball's body or another body? It's got to be a ball's body. Like his physical body. Right. I See, I wonder, because he's talked about it as like my body, but he's not said, but that could mean a lot of things. Like that could mean his physical body, the way that he looks, or it could mean a body that he owns, somebody else's body. Oh, are you saying, do you think the body that they have is the image that we're seeing of him? Yeah. Oh, no, I think it's something different. You think it's something else? Yeah. Okay. Something scarier. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Do you think it's the devil with the yellow eyes? Oh, man, why would you fucking do that to me, you asshole? Maybe it's the world's angriest boy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Just a big old head in there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we'll see what happens yeah. pretty soon. Uh, before we end the episode, what was real, Pete? What was real in this episode? Uh, I want to say Sid's entrance was real. Yeah. Uh, I, and we kind of got the fact that Lenny is real and, and really in existence. Mm-hmm. I loved her motorcycle scene, too. Really badass. Yeah. I think... Uh, <sighs> I'm trying to think. I don't think the cart is necessarily real. And I think the people sewing up the desert and everything is maybe not real. Maybe it's a little more of a metaphor or something like oh, that. Uh, but I do think the Minotaur is real. Oh, uh, yeah. The yeah, Minotaur has got to be see We've that. seen it too many times for Absolutely. it not to be. Now, what do you think the trick is going to be for like getting to like out of this loop of desert? Um, I don't know. I I would venture that they're already there. Like, I would venture that the desert is not as big as they think it is. Mm-hmm. And it might be one of those things where... You just got to walk in the opposite direction. And yeah, then, yeah, or you think you're there and you're there. Okay. Something like that. Like, it's a state of mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely know. thought it's some kind of mind fuck. That's something, because they're keep walking and it's just keep elongating yeah. the journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely got it feels to like be. they're not getting anywhere. Absolutely. And I think they'll figure it out. It's one of those things that's just going to be easier than it actually seems on the surface. Yeah. If you like this show and other shows we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. in New York. We'll talk about Legion, talk about other things. Who even knows? You can check that out at the Pit Loft every Tuesday at 8. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Check us out on Twitter at Comic Book Live or comicbookclublive.com for the podcast and more. And we'll see you next week inside Legion. 